Welcome back, everybody. Episode 5 of Vinny's Tour Talk, the real episode 5. I know last week there was some confusion there. I said episode 5, even though it was episode 4. But this is the real episode 5. We have a waste management preview, or recap, excuse me. Had a had a Ricky Fowler victory that we'll talk about real quick. And uh, this week we have the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Another fun tournament to watch. Um, but there is a kicker. Um, I... Had some trouble finding some certain information, so um, we're going to keep it a little limited, but I'll still give you a couple things to look at. Uh, real quick, want to mention that we'll now be posting and sharing from Spotify. iTunes is coming soon, so just uh, notice that. And then also want to mention that we created a, an Instagram account. Uh, it's called Vinny's Tourcast, at Vinny's Tourcast. Um, and it's going to be pretty cool. If you're a golf fan, I'm going to be posting about three, two to three posts a day, some just some golf entertainment videos, um, maybe some tips, drills, just all sorts of different golf things, obviously some fantasy insider information. Um, but if you are a golf fan and are on that Instagram, go ahead and follow me at Vinny's Tourcast, all one word. Uh, let's go ahead and get going. Ricky Fowler, 2019 Waste Management Open Champion. First win in almost two years. Last win coming in 2017 at the Honda Classic, which is actually right around the corner. It's about two or three weeks away. Um, but it was Ricky Fowler getting his fifth career victory on tour. Really had the whole thing had the lead the whole entire time until about eight holes left to go in the tournament he had a five shot lead going into the back nine on sunday which is a lot and by the time he was going on to hole 13 he was down one so a six shot difference within the three holes there him and brandon grace uh, who ended up getting second south african but as if you watch the tournament uh you saw the controversy there on hole number 11 with the with the ruling uh, he had to take a penalty drop, so his second shot went went in the water. Uh, he went to go drop by the green where he should have, and he he took his drop. The ball stayed still. It's kind of on a hill that was leaning towards the water, uh, but the ball stayed still. He left the ball, went up to the green to go look at his shot, see what's in front of him, and as he's walking back to his ball, the ball starts rolling in the water, and. You would think with the new rule changes that they made this year, all the new rule changes, which a lot of them make sense, that that wouldn't penalize him. But however, that rule still still applies to where, I guess if you drop your ball and and he didn't address it, so I don't know exactly how you would word the rule. But if you drop your ball and it settles, and then it rolls back into a hazard or a penalty area, now they call it these days, then you get penalized. So he ended up taking a penalty there. Um, everybody on Twitter, social media, fans, everybody was just, just felt bad for him because nothing you can do there. End up making his drop and making triple bogey, and then he would go on to bogey 12, and that's when Brendan Grace took a one-shot lead within 30 minutes. Uh, every, you could just feel everybody's heartbreak for Ricky as he looked like he was going to let it slip again. But uh, Brendan Grace ended up making, didn't do too much down, down later on the road on that back nine. He no birdies, end up making a, a bad bogey, and Ricky Ricky just simply made pars and birdied the two par fives, 15 and 17, which end up giving Ricky 
a two-shot win. He ended up shooting 17 under, Brendan Grace 15 under, Justin Thomas at 14, and then we had a uh, three people tied for fourth, Ches Reavy, Bubba Watson, Matt Kuchar, uh, a couple big names to round out that top 10, Gary Woodland, John Rahm, Xander Schauffele. So before we talk about my lineup, my DraftKings results, um, got to mention Dustin Johnson winning on the European Tour. The last few weeks, we've had a handful of guys who originally played on the PGA Tour, uh, DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, uh, Kepka, DJ, to name a few, have been playing on that European Tour, and it was Dustin Johnson winning in Saudi Arabia, winning the Saudi International, first European Tour victory for him, um, and as we approach the, the Pro-Am this week, a tournament that he's been really successful at, obviously going to take note of that, but hopefully his jet lag playing you know, two weeks in a row over in Europe and coming straight to California and playing uh, doesn't affect that. All right, let's see how we did this week. Um, so this is the third week in a row. Well, I shouldn't say that because my double-up lineup, not so hot this week. That's the one we usually kind of revolve around. But the tournament lineup uh, definitely hit. Uh, we, we entered a tournament, a little $5 tournament with 3,500 contestants. Ended up getting 174th, so, so paid out a little bit. Um, that lineup consisted of a young Matt Wolf from Oklahoma State University who was really killing it early. Um, if he could have gone a little lower, probably could have snuck in that top 100, but he ended up shooting one over on Saturday and Sunday and ended up finishing it tied for 50th. But all in all, made cut for Matt Wolf. Um, expect to hear that name a lot down the road and we also had let's see we also had a Ricky Fowler and a Matt Kuchar so two players inside the top four on that tournament lineup and then it rounded out with let's see that wolf we had a Kevin Kisner as well um, breaking the top 35 only miscut Steve Stricker but again double double up lineup not so hot we had four players make the cut in that one, uh, that was one with Kuchar, Matsuyama, uh, Stricker, a couple others. Um, not good enough. Finished fourth in my 10-person league. Top three get paid, so missed out a little bit there. And then in our, in our $25 double up, uh, I think we entered one with 160 people, and it, it didn't cut. It was right there around 70 or so. But it's early on in the season. Um, we're just warming up. Let's go ahead and, and while we're at it, let's just go ahead and jump and talk about uh, the Pro-Am this week. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, very, another very popular tournament. Pro-Am meaning you'll have celebrities, athletes, um, all sorts of famous people you'll see on TV playing with the, with the professionals through the four days. Uh, very fun, especially if you like watching funny, uh, silly golf shots, they'll be out there. One person headlining the tournament, kind of a no-name, especially if you don't keep up with golf, Hung Sung Choi, coming from the European Tour, the Asian Tour, um, famous for his very ridiculous swing or his finish. He has a very good swing back and through, but as soon as he finishes his swing, he literally starts dancing to the ball. If his ball is going to the right, he'll lean way hard left, he'll start circling around, making all sorts of really, really funny movements. Um, he had a putt recently that was like 10 feet long. He hit the putt, and before the putt even got to the hole, he spun around twice and made all these funny movements. And then when it went in, he fist pumped, did all this weird stuff. Um, so he's become a very viral golfer. He got a sponsor 
uh, exemption, so he didn't necessarily earn a spot into this tournament, which some players, you know, to some players that's conflicting because that means he's giving up a spot for someone who is struggling, someone who's trying to, to earn their PGA Tour card. Uh, he gets in because of a sponsor exemption. Uh, just ask Rory McIlroy. He had he had some thoughts on that a week ago, saying how it's it's not right. But it will be good for the game. Uh, probably get get more views. It'll be interesting to keep up with him and and just watch the golf swing. So you don't even have to watch the amateurs this week to see some pretty funny shots. Hung Sung Choi. I'm sure you'll see him, and we'll be posting uh, some some shots, some swings of his on the Instagram. But let's talk about the course now. Let's get corporate. Um, we're at Pebble Beach, uh, all three courses. So you got Pebble, Mon- Monterey Peninsula, and Spyglass. Um, st- usually the Monterey course is the easier course, you know, if, if conditions are normal. And then Pebble is the middle one. And then Spyglass is usually usually the tougher one. But that's what we have to talk about. I'm, I'm not going to be able to give you my DraftKings lineup this week because tee times haven't come out yet. I'm, I haven't been able to get access to the tee times, which shows me which players are playing which course on what day because they're going to be rotating through these three courses. And what from what I've read, again, the Monterey course tends to be the easier course. Spyglass tends to be the toughest. But if the conditions get real windy, uh, rainy and windy, which they are on Friday, uh, Spyglass kind of plays a little easier than the other two because it's the only it's the only course of the three that's actually surrounded by trees and and certain things to block off wind. Uh, the Monterey course and Pebble are both sitting right there on the ocean, very wide open. If it gets a little windy out there, um, it's it's a little little difficult to play. So with that being said, what I'm gonna do tomorrow when the tee times come out and I know which players playing what course, I'm definitely gonna target players playing the Monterey course on Thursday during round one. Uh, that's the day that players are going to be able to go low and get off to a hot start. And if they play on that Monterey course, I'm sure you'll see lower numbers than the other two. Uh, Monterey or Pebbles fine, but that Spyglass course, you want to have players play on Sp- on Spyglass the second day because that's the day wind's supposed to kick up in between 15 to 20 miles an hour, uh, some rain. So according to what I've read, Spyglass plays a little a little easier when the wind picks up because it has more surroundings. It's it's not as windy out there. We'll see we'll see how much of a how much of a thought process that works out for me, but we're gonna give that a try. So again, you're gonna kinda want players to play either Pebble or Monterey day one, round one, and then try to find players who are playing Spyglass day two. Um, I think if you can key in on those two things uh, you'll see some success. DraftKings does have an option. I didn't know about this until recently. You can play one-day tournaments, one-day contests. So what, what I'm going to do is on Thursday when the weather is nice and, and players are going to be able to tear up that Monterey course, I'm going to do a one-day contest and pick all six players on that Monterey course. We see it happen in, in tournaments like this all the time where players rotate courses. Um, anyone, Any player who gets off or who starts on the easier course, um, obviously gets off to a hot start and you kind of see them stay in there for the whole week. And again, with the with what the weather is going to do, I think you have to target players playing those two courses first. 
But think about doing a one-day contest and just load it up with players playing Monterey and Pebble that day one. And then day two, you can maybe have some players do the same thing and have them play, playing Spyglass where they have an advantage uh, with, the, with those tree lines and, and everything blocking the wind a little more. Um, so consider that. Okay, but course-wise, stats-wise, let's talk about that real quick. It's pr it's pretty pretty basic and simple here. Um, players are playing three different courses, but all of them are, are short. All of them are roughly around 6,900 yards, uh, par 72s, except Monterey, Monterey's par 71. So all of them are short. Um, it's a, it's a pro-am, so that means the fairways are going to be nice and wide. The rough's going to be short. Uh, conditions are going to be easy so those amateurs can can play and get through the week. So we've seen a lot of bombers um, win tournaments really early on in the season. I know I've been saying that pretty much every tournament, but that's because these beginning of the season tournaments are set up like that. They have these pro-ams, um, courses are dormant, you know, they're set up to where it's just easier to score. And that's why you'll kind of see these bombers uh, take over early on the season. But that's the case here. So you can always, you know, consider like a Dustin Johnson or someone like that. But then you also have to target good wedge players because most of the holes they play, they're going to have a wedge in their hand. It's it's so short that a lot of holes they have, you know, inside 125 yards on par fours or just it's like a pitch and putt to them. So definitely target um, good wedge players. I went ahead and looked at approaches from 100 to 125 yards. Let's see what I get here. This year, uh, Justin Rose is at the top. He's not playing this week. Dustin Johnson, he's at fifth. Uh, not a whole lot of players that are in the tournament that I saw fit inside this statistic. Uh, Taylor Gooch, if he's playing. Um, so, I, again, this week we don't have to look too too deep into stats just because it's, it's pretty much bomb it away, hit a close wedge. So those are really the two things that I'm going to keep it at. But I can give you some players to look at in DraftKings. Um, let's see what I have here. Again, I haven't made my lineup yet. But if you go ahead and look at it, I'm going to go ahead and just look at this week's this week's players out there. I think I'm going to go ahead and take a Dustin Johnson. It's hard not to here. He has won here twice, 2009, 2010, back-to-back. He's -back. Uh, finished inside the top five, top ten here a lot. So, uh, obviously... He can get away with long drives here. Uh, according to the stat, 100, 125 yards approach. He fit inside the top five there. And he's what, number two, number three player in the world. Never a bad pick. But I'd I say you either go him or Jason Day. Uh, those two right there just have the better track record over everybody else, including Tony Finau, uh, Kucher, who's done okay here, hasn't won here. Phil Mickelson, he's won here four times. Got second here last year. You know, you can always pick Phil. He's at 9,600. So let's see, like the sixth or seventh most, most expensive. Below him, Jordan Spieth, AT&T sponsor. Always plays well here. We might try to do a little Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson uh, matchup. I'd like that if they are playing the, the correct courses that we want uh, day one and two. And then notice at 9,000, I like Paul Casey. He's a player who plays very well on, on shorter courses where, you know, you're hitting a lot of wedges and, and don't have to hit it too far. Paul Casey, I can see him making a top 10 run. And then uh, let's keep on going down a little bit, more into like the 8,000, 7,000 range. Cameron Champ went down a little bit. He's only 8,000. 
big big hitter playing good this year let's see what he did uh in his last last couple tournaments so so yeah he got off to that hot start in the fall season but really other than that after the century tournament of champions he had t73 in hawaii uh missed the cut at the farmers and then t67 last week um so all that hype on cameron champ still a very good player i'm sure he'll he'll make some kind of a run but just looking at that recently, hasn't hasn't been playing well since the big dogs have come to town. JB Holmes, I read something on him how again another bomber who just he's statistically done well here. Let's see if I can pull up that stat because he's had some good finishes at this tournament. Let's see, JB Holmes, there it is, has had six top tens and twelve tries here. Uh, t only two missed cuts, one of them was being last year, but very good player in the wind. Uh, coming off a T26 last week at the Waste Management, so playing you know in pretty decent form. Uh, 30th in shots gained approach, so a uh, pretty good wedge player, approach player. So JB Holmes, 7,900, a little expensive for what I would take him at, but uh, given given how this course fits him and how he's done here, uh, making a cut last week in pretty good form, I wouldn't mind taking JB Holmes. So let's see, I'm gonna go ahead and just fill one out. Um, without knowing these courses just so I have an idea of of how much players are and, and what we can look at so right now I got Dustin Johnson Jordan Spieth JB Holmes that leaves me an average of about 7100 for my three players left to pick so if I scroll down a little bit see a Charlie Hoffman Trey Molinax long hitter played good last week shot two over on Sunday but all in all Sunday or Saturday all in all had a good tournament JJ Spawn, someone who goes very low, one of those California guys we've been taking lately. Um, let's see what he did last week. Yeah, made the cut last week at the Waste Management. We had him on that tournament team, actually, or one of the teams. And cut before that, miscut the Farmers, T51 at the Desert, T37. So he's making cuts, but after he makes the cut, not making a whole lot of noise. Um, but if you are looking for, you know, trying to get that team where you have five or six make the cut, uh, consider JJ Spawn, 7,300. Bo Hostler's right there. Ryan Palmer. There's Taylor Gooch, uh, who's been playing very well. Let's see what he did last week. I'm curious because everybody made that big deal about him getting a top three the week before, which solidified him for these upcoming tournaments. Ooh, missed the cut. Set, shot 73-70, missed the cut at the waste management. Taylor Gooch, uh, someone who's been playing very good and, and fits the statistic we talked about earlier. Ryan Armour, you know, he's going to hit fairways, hit greens, uh, 7,200. Kyle Stanley out. I don't know why. Martin Laird, 7,100. Let's go. I'm going to go ahead. I might pick a Martin Laird here. He played good last week, 65, 68, 70, but then shot 74. Let's go ahead and pick a Martin Laird at 70. How much he is? 71. So we're still at that average of 71. Corey Connors, I noticed that he... He fit some statistics earlier. But if I do want to go down quite a bit, now we're in the 6,000 6, range. I'm going to go ahead with my fantasy insider uh, my fantasy insider pick. Let's see who told me. I'm going to pull it up real quick. There's a super sleeper he had in here. There it is, Grayson Murray, 6,300. Had a T8 here last year and has made two straight cuts. Extremely long off the tee and has been above average with the wedge in his hand over the past few years. 
Um, let's see, three-day cut. Yeah, it says, but because he's so long and it's a three-day cut, he should be able to accumulate a good amount of points, birdies and whatnot. Uh, that is, if he goes on to Sunday, then, yeah, that'd be a steal. Grayson Murray, 6,300. So let's go ahead and plug him in real quick. Kind of flipping back between browsers here. I got too much stuff open. Okay, so Grayson Murray at 63, all the way at the bottom of your list. Can't even find him. There he is, 63. So if I do that, gives me some room to scroll back up and pick someone at 7,900, so that 8,000 range. I'll just go ahead and list players around that range. Uh, Andrew Putnam, Scott Piercy, Kevin Kisner, Lucas Glover. So we got a Henley, Doug Gim, Nick Watney. He's done good here. Again, I'm not I'm not going to make this official, but just to go ahead and fill this out and complete the lineup. Um, let's see, Piercy. See how good Piercy's been doing. Uh, he's made every almost every cut he can since October. I, I'm gonna go him or Kisner just for fun. I'll pick a Scott Piercy. Uh, Kisner, he's been making cuts, but been pretty mediocre. Other than that, yeah, T T69, T57, T26, his last three starts. Um, we're just gonna go ahead and roll the dice with Piercy. So, for a temporary lineup, DraftKings lineup, we have Dustin Johnson. Jordan Spieth, J.B. Holmes, which I like those three really no matter what. And then other than that, the, the bottom three, Martin Laird, Grayson Murray, and Scott Piercy. But again, folks, you have to pay attention to what courses players are playing during the first two rounds. You want your players playing either Pebble Beach or the Monterey course on Thursday, round one. And then if you can, players playing the Spyglass course on Friday, round two. So that's going to kind of determine who I choose in my real lineup. But again, won't know until tomorrow. What I'll do, here, I'll do this. So what I'll do is I'll post my lineup once I figure out uh, the tee times. I'll post my lineup on the Instagram at Vinny's Tourcast, V-I-N-N-Y, <laughs> V-I-N-N-Y-S, T-O-U-R-C-A-S-T, Vinny's Tourcast on Instagram. I'll go ahead and upload my lineup uh, so you have an idea of uh, who I have. But other than that, like I said, pretty simple week as far as stats and, and information goes. This is a this is a very pitch and putt like tournament. Like I said, they set it up really easy for the amateurs to come out and have fun. So I can't I can't give you a whole lot other than who goes out there and just makes the most birdies. So long bombers, par fives, uh, making birdie or better, maybe a birdie or better percentage you could look at. Uh, last year, Ted Potter Jr., the winner, led the field in that. Before I go, I got to give you my playing tip of the week, and we are going to talk tee box strategies, tee ball strategies. Do you ever just tee the ball up and don't think about where you're teeing it up on the tee box? Yes, we all do. There's two things I, I want you to look at and think about uh, before you decide where to tee your ball up on the tee box. First off, I always line up or I always tee off on the same side of the trouble. So let's pretend, let's use our imagination here. Let's pretend we have a hole that dog legs left and water surrounds the right side. So nothing but water on the right side. Left side's open, so clearly you want to miss left. I would I would tee up the ball on the right side of the tee box. Uh, that way, I'm already aiming a, away from the water. Okay, if I was aimed on the left side of the tee box, I'd be aiming pretty much into the water just to get the ball 
you know, towards the middle of the fairway. But when you aim or when you tee up your ball on the same side of the treble, uh, that gives you a little more freedom to shape the ball, move the ball around, and get it to the middle. Um, if I Again, if I teed up my ball on the left side and trouble's right, I have to keep it on a pretty straight line on that left side. And if it fades at all, I'm in trouble. Second thing I want you to kind of think about and, and try is teeing off behind a certain spot. That's been helping me a lot. For example, let's say an old divot or a leaf or a broken tee or something on the tee box that I've been setting up my ball behind, teeing up my ball right behind, and then that just helps me line up to something. So instead of standing over the ball and looking at a target, you know, 200, 300 yards down the fairway and trying to guess if your club's aimed at that, if your body's positioned at that, tee up your ball behind a mark that you think is lined up to, to your line. Example, like I said, a broken tee or leaf or something that you can pick out. And then that way, instead of looking out in the fairway and guessing where your target is or if you're lined up to it, you just have to look a couple inches in front of you. And that, that kind of sets you up uh, for where you want your shot shot to go. Got to start shouting out um, the Academy for the, for the tip of the week. Tip of the week brought to you by the Academy of Golf Dynamics, uh, 45 Club Estates Parkway, Lakeway, Texas. Come out and visit us. Uh, visit our website, www.golfdynamics.com. We also have a YouTube channel. If you look us up, Academy of Golf Dynamics, uh, we got you covered for all things tips, drills, and all that good stuff. But that's going to be it for episode five. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Instagram now, at Vinny's Tourcast. Again, coming on Spotify. iTunes coming soon. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good week. I love you.